the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Don't have time to go on SoCal Live today? Leave Scott a voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. Great to be with you. I hope that you had a great, great weekend. It's getting hot again. We're going to be hot all week long. I think until next week sometime it will uh, cool off this weekend, I guess. Anyway, you know, one of the most amazing things happened this weekend, if you're a a baseball fan, but even if you're just sort of generally a fan, Albert Pujols hit his 700th home run at Dodgers Stadium. Pujols is on the Cardinals. He was on the Dodgers last year. We'll talk about that here in, in a minute because he gave a speech to Dodger fans wearing a Cardinal jersey that I thought was an incredible act of graciousness. We'll talk about that in a minute. Also, there's a guy on, uh, ESPN, which is the sports network who predicted this in April. On April 13th, 2022, Greg Amzinger, I think is how you say his name, he said, Pujols is going to hit a 700th career home run on the road Friday night in Los Angeles in September. He said it was going to be off Clayton Kershaw. He got that part wrong, but that has to be the greatest sports prediction of all time. Isn't that amazing? That's an amazing, amazing thing. By the way, some of uh, you may have heard the prediction that the rapture was going to happen on September 24th or an asteroid was going to hit the Earth. Uh, those are terrible predictions uh, for 20, September 24th as the uh, the rapture didn't happen. So if you were expecting to be gone on Saturday, uh, hey, stop listening to whoever told you that. Uh, there's a guy on ESPN who's getting it a little bit better. You know, Jesus, he'll he'll show up when he's uh, good and ready for all that. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. The number is 888-528-2557. In a minute, we'll talk about uh, graciousness with the pool holes home run. I got another example of that, too, from this weekend that I, I liked. It's an important thing for us. Do you have an example of graciousness, a time where somebody was just super thankful, humble, uh, and in a way that that inspired people. This is what Christians need to be like. This is an attribute of God. It's what we need to be like in the culture. Pujols is a believer, by the way, and uh, the the praise going out for him is way beyond baseball. It's about his charity work, about how he treats other players, uh, a whole lot of different things in there, and that's how that's how we should be known. That's how we should be known everywhere. By the way, in the next hour of our program, speaking of asteroids hitting the Earth, NASA is, and this is going to happen live during our, our four o'clock hour, NASA has shot a rocket and uh, it's called the, the dart, the NASA dart, which I hope they shaped it like an old Dodge dart and they're going to crash. Maybe it is a Dodge dart and they got Elon Musk to send a car up there. And they're going to crash it into an asteroid for real live during our program. And uh, so we'll carry that next hour. And uh, the purpose of it is to see whether or not it's possible to send Bruce Willis into space to see whether or not it's possible to actually divert, this is what's the true part, to actually divert an asteroid just in case an asteroid really is going to come hit the Earth. 
And just like those movies, just just like those movies and that other one uh, that was on, what was the Netflix, Don't Look Up, and every, it just kills everybody. Did I spoil that movie for you? I don't mean to do that. Uh, you, now you don't even have to watch it. It wasn't really that good. Uh, mostly disturbing. Speaking of disturbing movies, I got a lot going on. You know, there was there's another story, a uh, Hollywood story this weekend that I was thinking of and that uh, I thought I would share a little bit with you. The actress who played... Nurse Ratched in the movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. You ever see that movie? It's an old, old movie. Uh, it's with Jack Nicholson, and it has a lot of young actors in it who would get famous later. They all got Oscars, not all those actors, but uh, Nicholson and uh, Louise Fletcher. I think the movie might have won Best Picture in uh, 1970. No, I didn't. I think Jaws won that year. Anyway, it, was, it won a bunch of awards. Um it's a type of a movie, though, that will leave you disturbed. So if you're just like running out to go get it, it's, you know, it's not a kid movie at all. And it's the type of movie where if you watch a movie like that and you leave the theater, everybody's quiet. Nobody wants to talk. Right. It's that kind of movie that's sort of it has a, it has a message in it that is so uh, thought provoking and kind of dark. But but it's the reason it's dark is because it's real, it's because. People are, are can be pretty evil and do some evil things, and it's set in a insane asylum, a state a state facility set in the '60s, and uh, the main character, uh, Nurse Ratched, she is the nurse, and she won an Oscar and she deserved it in this role. She played Nurse Ratched, one of the biggest villains in ner- movie history, and she's awful. She's scary awful, and. It's not because she is particularly overtly violent or anything like that. She is just mean and cruel, but she does it in a gentle way by insinuation, manipulation. It takes a while while you're watching the movie to figure out that she's the bad person, and it's very disturbing. Anyway, she passed away. Now, the reason I'm telling you this part is so I can get to this. Um, by the way, we're going to talk about graciousness. You got an example of graciousness, 888-528-2557, if you want to join our conversation for uh, on this topic. She passed away. In her, she was in her 80s. She had an acceptance speech that's remembered as one of the greatest Oscar speeches. The Oscars used to be, I think, a much better event. I haven't watched them now for years. And they just kind of got political and weird. I mean, everybody watched it, uh, you know, briefly. I wasn't watching it at all this year. Until social media started blowing up about uh, Will Smith getting uh, or punching uh, Chris Rock and that whole drama with all of that. Um, In fact, when I give people when I give people tours of Los Angeles, I like to give people the Scott Furrow tour of Los Angeles. And part of that tour is, of course, you go down Hollywood Boulevard and people who are from out of out of state are shocked um, about the condition of Hollywood Boulevard, which is pretty, pretty dirty. Uh, you don't really want to get out, uh, you know, too often. If you're going to go to that Disney theater down there, you got to run across and duck inside with your kids. And, uh, you know, it, it's very sad. When I was a kid, we used to go down there and we would walk. We would walk the, the Walk of Fame and look at all the stars. And maybe I was just too young to notice certain things, but uh, it seemed a lot more safe. Anyway, when I, when I point out the Kodak Theater, I did this uh, just a couple weeks ago. A person who was visiting was from Missouri, and she was just stunned that uh, this is where the Oscars are because they can just clean it all up now, right? And they just make it look all fancy and glamorous. And it's not. It just isn't. And that's kind of where movies have gone, haven't they? You know, a lot of glamour and excitement, but they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty messed up. Anyway, there was a day when I think it was a little better. There's always been a thing. But Louise Fletcher 
was a, a young actress. This was her big break. She didn't do a whole lot of movies afterward, but you know, you get to act with Jack Nicholson in that crowd. And she wins the Oscar, and this is what she, she had to say. Well, it looks like you all hated me so much <laughs> that you've given me this award for it, and I'm loving every minute of it. And all I can say is I've, I've loved being hated by you. It's a funny comment because you do, you hate her character. You just cannot stand her by the end of that movie. It's just so dark. But she was so great at it. And you, when you watch this, she's so nice and gracious as she accepts this award. I'd like to thank Fred Roos for remembering me, Miloš Forman for choosing me. Typical people that Michael she's going to thank. Michael Douglas and Saul Zantz for taking a chance. But then she's going to thank chance. her parents, and she's doing it in sign Jack language. Nicholson and a cast of actors whose professionalism, humor, and capacity for getting into their roles made being in a mental institution like being in a mental institution. So now she's going to thank her parents, and one of them is deaf, so she's going to use and if you'll excuse me sign language. For my mother and my father, I want to say thank you for teaching me to have a dream. You are seeing my dream come true. Thank you. Anyway, it's a, it's a famous speech. No politics. Right? There's no politics in that. There's no sort of left and right. There's no statements. And it's a graciousness that is very meaningful. People, she didn't have that huge a career after that, but uh, people remember her for that. I remembered her for that. Uh, that speech uh, to put out there. Now, I thought about that because she passed away. It was on my mind. But also, uh, Albert Pujols. Now, if you're, we don't talk about sports a lot, although the Dodgers are in the, uh, will be in the playoffs here. Dodgers have the best record in baseball. In fact, if they win one more game, it will be the best Dodgers record in the history of the Dodgers franchise. Uh, not to put any pressure on them or anything, I think in 2000, uh, was it 2019? 2019, I think, is the last time they had that record. And uh, they didn't even make it out of the first round of the playoffs. So there's a lot of pressure on them. We'll, we'll get to that because we're we're fans and we're Southern California. And, I, and you know, Padres, you know, you're listening in San Diego. I still think you got a shot at, uh, at making it in there. And you never know what's going to happen in baseball playoffs. But something that transcends... I think any any sport or profession is when somebody comes to the end of it and it seems like it's been pretty good when maybe they've broken some records, but they've done so without cheating. You know, there's not a lot of controversy around this person or if there ever was it. Uh, it got worked out. There was grace. There was forgiveness. Albert Pujols played with the Cardinals uh, for many years, which is really the team he is connected to when he goes into the Hall of Fame. I'm sure he'll be a Cardinal. And they played for the Angels right here in Southern California for several years. Well, last year in 2021, he was released kind of at the end of his at the end of his uh, contract. He was at the end of his career. He was 42, which is getting pretty old to play baseball. And it was very discouraging. You ever get discouraged in your life? Uh, he was discouraged. I mean, this is a Hall of Famer. The he's has hit the fourth highest. He's number four on the list of all time great home run hitters. And you would think that somebody in that category would be pretty, you know, be in a place where they're not going to be discouraged. But he was discouraged. He was really discouraged. He didn't get traded. He didn't get added to, you know, some other teams, you know, for right away. He was just out. 
And the Dodgers signed him, picked him up, and he came on the Dodgers last year. And if you're a fan, if you watch, he was maybe the best part of the Dodgers last year. It was fun. He was a mentor to all the young players, and everybody pretty much is a younger player than him. And he had a great year, so much fun. He's a Christian. He's a follower of Jesus. He had an impact on so many different people. Well, he was celebrated Friday night at Dodger Stadium, and it just so happens that he hit two home runs to give himself 700 and uh, which is a huge milestone in baseball. And before the game, though, he was given a couple of gifts, and then he addressed the crowd. I just thought this was something very gracious, a great example of graciousness. How many, how many sports people would address the crowd of a rival team? Now, it's a team he played on for just five and a half months, so not even a full season. And how many players would do this? I thought it was great. Here's what he had to say. Sorry, that's his home run. We'll get to that another time. Here's what he had to say. I just want to thank this opportunity. All those Dodgers fans. You guys win. You guys win. You guys brought me the joy. That's a little boy when I start playing this baseball. That's five years old. Came back to me last year. The five and a half months that I spent with a great organization, a great team, it was a blessing. I want to thank Andrew, Doug, and the whole Dodger organization for giving me the opportunity and believing in me. To my peers on the other side, thank you so much for welcoming to your family. God bless you all and good luck. Anyway, I was impressed by this, that he would take the time in a opposing team's jersey, one that, that the Dodgers will probably face in the playoffs, the dreaded Cardinals. I'm so tired of facing the Cardinals in the playoffs. Can I tell you that? When he hit his home run, Dodgers, his home, 700th home run, Dodger Stadium erupted in applause, everyone to their feet. They played special music for him as they celebrated. I thought this was great. This is a great example of rooting for your rivals. This is a great example of graciousness. You get graciousness from Albert Pujols personally, and to share that with the Dodgers, if you didn't quite follow what he was saying, he actually said, this team, you restored my joy in the game, a joy I had lost for the first time. That's amazing. Do you ever find yourself in a place where you've just lost the joy for something that you know God made you to do? You're listening to Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557. You can also email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. SoCalLive at KKLA.com. 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. We're talking about graciousness. And so we've had these, these a couple of moments of, of graciousness. And we need to be gracious people. I thought about that and I thought, you know, we live in a time where there's not a lot of graciousness. We don't have a lot of graciousness in our, our politics. We don't have a lot of graciousness. I think, I think, you, know, you tell me what you think. I think that the church has a lot of graciousness really in the big picture. I think we're actually pretty good at it. But there are times when we're not in this world and, and where we're not very often is online, right? There, there are things that people say online, Christians included, who would never say that in person. Do you ever find yourself doing that? Do you say stuff online? Do you get on there and just chew somebody out, but you would never do that in person? I don't know what it is about social media or the world we live in today where the, the internet world, where it is so easy to go on and say terrible things. And 
you know, it's not a matter of whether or not those terrible things might be true. They might be true. Um, but it's not the way to persuade. You got to be truthful, but you can do it in a gracious way. First Thessalonians chapter five. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and, and who admonish you. Notice that it's not just the people that you know, make you feel good all the time, not just the people who build you up, but even for those who admonish you. To acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord. Have you done this? Can I encourage you? Take a minute. Take a minute to think about this for who among you in your workplace, maybe you're a student and there's another student who just impresses you, or you know that they're working hard. Maybe they're, they're not as gifted as you are, but they're really working hard to do well. You know, those are some of the people who are, are so inspiring because they just work hard. You know, speaking of, of baseball, right? Some, some of the best baseball players are lousy coaches. And the reason why, you know, Ted Williams, one of the greatest of all times, lousy coach. The reason he's a lousy coach is because he was so good naturally as a baseball player that he never had to work really hard to work on the fundamentals of the game. And so to teach fundamentals of the game, you really have to work really hard. It's why some of the best managers and coaches, and this is even true at your workplace or other places, some of the best teachers, some of the best um, managers that you might work for, they are people who really struggled. They really struggled when they were students or they really struggled with the type of work or the game that they might be playing, but then they can pass it on. And there are people around you who you should acknowledge. I think it's a great thing to do because we all need to be encouraged. I mean, when you think about an Albert Pujols being discouraged, um, I think if he can be discouraged with something that he's great at, that he could lose the joy for something that there's hardly a player better than him, that says something about who we are as human beings. It says something about the value of encouragement and how much we need it. And who would have known? I wouldn't have known that. You know, I remember when he got released, I felt bad. And I thought, ah, that kind of seems lame. But you never really know what somebody's feeling inside. How about people around you? Do you think that there are people around you who need your encouragement? I promise you there are. I promise you that you might even be surprised at who needs your encouragement. I had a period of time one time as a pastor where I was pretty discouraged with some things. And and another pastor was a friend of mine who I kind of looked up to. And I looked up to him because he's like nine feet tall. He's just a huge guy. Uh, I looked up to him because he just was doing a lot of things well. And a lot of things that seemed like in his leadership and in his uh, ministry skills and his calling into ministry, things just seemed like they're going really well for him. And they were on the outside. And then I had a conversation with him and he started telling me about his discouragement and how he had made plans and came within, you know, a day or two of leaving it all behind to move to Montana or something and uh, just be gone. And it was so helpful to hear that and to push through the different things, to really look for what God is calling you to do. There are people around you who need encouragement, and that's why we have so much of this in the Scriptures. They need us to be gracious. They need us to be uplifting. They need us to acknowledge even the other side, even those people who might be your rival 
or those people who maybe you're jealous of deep down? Do you take time to praise them? The Proverbs tells us to uh, let another one's lips praise us and not our own. Meaning, don't praise yourself. Let somebody else do that. You know, praising each other, building up each other is a good thing. First Thessalonians 5 again. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's, that's the will of God. People ask me all the time, what's the will of God? You know, and, uh, you know, the will of God, usually when people ask, what's the will of God? We're asking, you know, what, what is the decision that you would have me make here, Lord? Do you want me to take this job or that job? Do you want me to move to this town or stay where I'm at? Do you want me to marry this person or not marry this person? You know, we're looking for uh, the future. We're looking for, God, what's your plan for my life? What's your will? And the thing is, is that God usually isn't going to tell you. His, his will for you is to say, trust me. His will for you is to trust in him for all things and to be patient because God is a gracious God. He is gracious and he is going to build you up. And here you have give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do you want to know what God's will is for your life? Be gracious. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. And, you know, don't let that feel like it's a bummer. It's like, oh, yeah, but I still want to know what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, the, the trouble is, is when we pray to God and ask God, hey, what's going to happen to me tomorrow? What decision should I make? God, what is your plan? His answer so often is, none of your business. It's because he wants you to trust him. In the meantime, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will. You know why it's his will? Because that's where you make an impact in the lives of others. Your graciousness is where you make an impact. Your prayers are where you make an impact. When you rejoice, it's where you make an impact. You make an impact in the life of others when you impact their life in the name of Christ. That's discipleship. That's what we are called to do. And that's God's will for your life. And the other things, you know, where you're going to work and what you're going to do and who you're going to marry, trust the Lord for those things. Obey the Lord in those things. And those things will, will work out according to his plan in time. But in the meantime, be a gracious person. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. We'll be back in just a moment as the Monday edition of SoCal Live continues. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. 888-528-2557. Good to be with you on this Monday. I hope that you had a good, a really good weekend. Next hour, by the way, NASA's DART rocket is going to crash into an asteroid. And we'll have that for you live right here on our show. And, uh, you know, I think this is the best way to do it right here on our show because I'm on the website. And uh, you have a, a video, right, where you're supposed to watch it. And here's what it says. It says, uh, what, what we'll see when DART makes impact... It says, when DART collides with, the, with its asteroid target, we'll see nothing. 
Well, great. Glad they put a video up for that. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. That's exactly what it says. Okay. So what's happening is uh, NASA is going to try to direct an asteroid off course, and uh, we'll see if that works, and uh, we'll have a little fun with that. Uh, in the meantime, how are you doing? We were talking about being gracious and encouraging. Do you have some encouraging words that uh, you would you would encourage people? How do you encourage people? Do you think about this deliberately? And I know a guy who he was kind of this curmudgeon guy, and somebody he was praying with somebody. He was a great guy, loves the Lord, but uh, just kind of a curmudgeon. And somebody told him that he's, he has the gift of encouragement. And I think that's probably true, that actually when he wasn't being curmudgeonly, he was very encouraging. And he just got on fire for the Lord encouraging people. And he would greet people all the time with kind words and build them up. And it's unbelievable how life-changing it is when we use our words in this way. And I talk about it a lot. I'm thinking a lot about the the election coming up and so many things on the news. And, you know, the election, by the way, is only two weeks away. Do you know that? You think, oh, it's not. It's November. No. Uh, ballots are going to be mailed here in a couple of weeks. And the, the early voting starts October 10th. That's two weeks from today. That's crazy. And so people will vote for a month. And it's changed the dynamic of elections because candidates will, especially if they don't really want to debate, you ever get these, uh, you hear this discussion about so-and-so is asking for debates and the other person doesn't want to do it. And usually the the person who's ahead doesn't want to debate, or if it's really, really close, uh, if you feel like the momentum's in your your way, you don't want to debate because maybe it'll change the uh, the momentum. But if the election starts on October 10th, and the, but the doesn't end until November 8th, you could probably do your debate on November 3rd or 4th, and you could be a disaster, but it doesn't matter because everybody's already voted. And so you'll see some of that coming up here in uh, some of those elections if you, if you pass all of that. I don't want to this hour get into all of that, but I, we, we're going to have to talk about it. There are some very severe things happening right here in California, right here in our state. Uh, Proposition one is a big deal. It's uh, it's to uh, the idea is we're going to make abortion the in the state constitution, but they're not just taking the laws of the of that we have right now and making them you know constitutionalizing them. the The trick is is that right now the laws in California say that you can't have abortions after the baby is viable unless there's life of the mother or some other reason like that from a physician that would make you do that. It's going to take that away. So abortions will be you can have them for any reason all the way up till birth. And uh, they're not saying that. And we'll get into that later this week. We'll have some guests, and uh, I'm going to talk about it. But that's a big deal. It's a big deal really for all of us because recent polling says 79 percent of Californians don't agree with that. Even though most Californians are supportive of abortions, almost 80% do not want abortions in that last trimester, which you can imagine. But it's being forced on us on uh, this constitutional amendment. So there's a lot of big issues, including uh, gambling. Do you think we should be gambling on sports? Should we be doing that on apps on our phone? That's coming up. You're going to vote on that. And um, I say no. But we'll talk about what those different, different things are. In the meantime... These issues and the issues that we face as a as a nation, issues that we're facing as and they're affecting our relationships. Right. That, I think, is something that has that has changed. Do you agree? Has it has it changed? Is it, is it affecting your relationships? The the division that's going on in our country 
888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation. We've always had disagreements in politics. There's always been a certain nastiness in politics. I think that's always around, right? It's it's part of what politics is. There's there's nastiness going on in the politics in the scriptures where you have you know, the uh, Romans and the Jewish leaders and the Sanhedrin, and there's a lot of nastiness behind the scenes stuff, right? Jesus gets betrayed. They take Barabbas instead of Jesus. There's a lot of nasty politics. And even in our history, if you think it's nasty now, there's been some really terrible, terrible back and forth um, at different periods of time in our history. That's not unusual. I think it might be unusual that we're taking it out on each other. Obviously, there was the Civil War and things that led to that. But but now it seems like if we don't agree with each other, we don't even want to be with each other. And for Christians, we, we've got to bridge that gap. We've got to be able to stand on what is true, but do so in a gracious way. We've got to be able to stand on what is true, but be able to speak kindly and directly, as Jesus did. That's why there's so much in Scripture about... Uh, that's why there's so much in Scripture about the tongue, about how we speak. The, it's one of the biggest topics in, in the Scriptures. Uh, Proverbs 15.1. This is a really good one if you are in a relationship that is, you know, where, where you yell at each other, right? If, you're, if it's a marriage or maybe with your kids or maybe it's in the workplace. Something to remember, it's this, Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That is that it's really hard to recover when somebody is harsh to you, isn't it? I mean, it's really, really rough. And uh, it's much easier to have that conversation if they're kind. What do you think? 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. Proverbs 15.4. The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. You know how they say, uh, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. That's not really true. Um, I don't buy into the whole uh, sort of the, the the current version of language is violence where we treat it the same as violence. I would certainly rather have somebody call me a name than have somebody, you know, shoot me uh, or cause physical harm. Um, but we should not we should not believe that our words can't cause somebody a lot of harm, a lot of uh, difficulty. 888-528-2557. Nina in Redondo Beach, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello. Hi, Nina. Um, I, I just barely turned on the radio, and I heard you speak about have any has anybody had problems with relationships in regards to what is going on in the political realm yeah. of like abortion, um, gender identity, uh, same-sex marriage, all of that. All those and different I would issues. Say a resounding yes. Yeah. Many relationships have been torn apart in my family and with friends mm. for my stance on abortion. I am totally pro-life. Um, I'm very concerned that there was a, a bill, I think it was called, I'm pretty sure it was AB23, in regards to allowing abortion or the murder of a child up to one month after being born. And that was p- passed in the state of California. The, the law has not been passed, but it's going up for... Um, it's, in, it's in a lot of the writings, yeah, of, of different things. It's It's... I know it's not as specific as you're saying, but it opens the door up to that. 
Yes, yes. And so, um, and as far as gender identity, you know, man and woman created by God, that's the way it is. And I have, I have friends that uh, recently I ran into a friend that said her daughter was going to bring up her child. Let him find out who he identifies with. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I have heard people do that, but I never met anybody that said that that's the way they were going to bring up their child. And I was a little, I was a little dumbfounded. I didn't say anything, but um, I even have problems with people in my church that disagree with my stance on being so pro-life. They're they're saying that you know it is a woman's right. They're believers. They they're Christ followers, but. Mm-hmm. You so know, you, you said this is away the woman's right to choose. This is causing some uh, division even in your own family. You said, uh, yes, oh yeah. yes, I have a sister-in-law who who is a uh, educator and uh, very you know pro uh, choice, pro yeah. how, gender identity. Pro how far does it? How far does marriage, it go? In, in your relationship, does it, is it something where you can't talk to that person at all, or is it just where you don't bring up those subjects? Like, how does it, um, how far has it gone? No, we, we can talk. We can okay. talk. It's, it's not like that. But yeah. we don't bring up the subject. And if we are ever at a family gathering and the subject comes up, you know, I state my feelings, she states her feelings. And I'm not going to lie and say that I don't get a little uh, in my stomach, you know, I have to ask the Lord to help me to not be angry. Yeah. And I'm sure she probably feels the same. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that that we have to find a way in our relationships with each other to stick with what we believe to be true, to, to listen. You know, there are some issues where we can learn, you know, nuance that people would have about things. But I think that there are some things that are are places where we have to we have to take a a stand in what is true but speak graciously about it and some people aren't going to like us because of it and that can go it goes both ways it's uh yes um you i would encourage you to uh just try to be gracious as possible uh when you were calling up uh i used a proverb proverbs 15 one a gentle answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger um we can be harsh even when we're right, and it doesn't help. Yes, and that's a really hard thing. I, I to, agree. That's a really hard thing to to deal with, uh, but we need to do it. it. Thank you. It is because I I feel like it's such an urgent time that we live in, and we cannot. It's hard. I don't want to candy coat things, mm-hmm. but I do have a tendency of maybe. Letting what they say affect how I feel about that person, and and I know that then then that makes me just as wrong as them. Yep, it creates a. I got to go to a break, Nina, but I appreciate your call. And you know, on those things, if you want to be persuasive, it's another thing. You know, a a persuasive person is somebody who can resist the temptation to just escalate things. Um, and be able to to listen and speak very clearly. And that's a place to pray with, you know, a lot of these things. There's the politics, and you can talk about them on TV, and there's all this stuff. Um, but then there's that relationship with your mom or with your kids or with people at church or your brother or sister and you or the people that you work with. You want to preserve that because most important is that people come to know Jesus. And if there are issues of the heart and belief that need to change, 
you can throw a lot of that at Jesus. And you stay gracious and trusting to the Lord and following the Lord, you're going to find yourself in a much better position to even be persuasive if that's possible later. I got to take a break. The number is 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation. We are talking about being uh, gracious in our speech and how important that is. And uh, even in light of the divisions that we have that are dividing people, are have you lost friends because you're on one side or the other of one of the hot button issues of our time? 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. I'll be back as the Monday edition of SoCal Live continues. Too nervous to go live on the radio with Scott Furrow? Then share your thoughts on the SoCal Live voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation. We've been talking about speech and being gracious and being kind, encouraging for different reasons. And especially as we enter into a political season where there's, it's going to be pretty uh, brutal in our, our country, I think, in the next few weeks. The election really begins October 10th. That's when the, the early voting starts. That's two weeks from today. That probably ruins your day, right? Oh, two weeks. But that's why there's so much heavy commercials right now and so much happening is that, you know, a month from now it might be over. You know, it might two weeks before the actual election day. Half the people maybe have already voted. It's a it's a weird time that we live in in states like ours where we have the mail ballots and uh, the virtual voting and all of that. How do you keep your relationships? One of the biggest issues over the last few years is that people not only disagree about some political issues, but they are studies are showing that they're losing relationships even in the midst of families. We haven't seen that since the Civil War, where, where families were divided, brother against brother, and, you know, father and son and mother and daughter, all those relationships. We, I think, have, you know, an obligation to try to keep our relationships intact without sacrificing what is true, or, you know, I think we can have convictions. We, we need to, I think, always question why we have convictions about things. Is it really biblical? Is Am I right? You should always be open about those things, but you're going to disagree. Have we lost the ability to disagree? And as Christians, can we can we disagree in a gracious way, but in a way where we're bold about some of the issues of the day that I think are a really big deal? 888-528-2557. Aida in Southgate. Do I have your name right? Is it Aida? Yes, you have it right. Hi, Aida. How are you? Hi. I'm, I'm well. Thank you. Yeah. I have a question. I wanted to know when you say take a stand, what exactly do you mean? Like, because I have a few, uh, couple of family members, nephew, niece, that are homosexuals, and when we have, you know, we'll have a dinner and they come and have dinner with me. I have dinner with them. Do you mean that we shouldn't get together with them? Is that like accept? Do they come with their partner? Is that what you guys mean when you say take a stand? I'm, I'm not. Sure sure about what exactly they mean. I mean, they know how I feel about it, but we don't talk about it. And I'm not telling them every little while, you know, hey, that's wrong. They know where I stand. Yeah. But we talk about it. That's a great question, Aida. Thank you for asking that. Uh, Yeah, thank you for asking that. I think it's great that you're getting together uh, with them. Absolutely take a stand does not mean cut off relationships. Um, you know, there there are times in your life if somebody's abusive to you or something, you have to step out of that relationship. But that's not what I mean here. 
you know, take a stand. Uh, I don't know if I said that specifically, but you, sounds like you're doing what you need to do. You have your view. They know how you view it. And you still have that relationship. And I think that that's good. I think that that's necessary. Jesus ate with the, the hated people of the day were the tax collectors. Those are the people who were at the sort of the the most maligned or, you know, hated people for various reasons. And Jesus asked one of them, Matthew, to be on his in his disciples, one of his 12. He told Zacchaeus, hey, I'm coming to your house. And he regularly did this. And he got a lot of criticism from religious people about doing that. No, we are told to love uh, which means that we we don't break those relationships. We work hard to keep them. But at the same time, I think either you're doing the right thing by not compromising your view. You know, if people know what you think, um, then you can you can just keep that relationship. And the thing is, is that being persuasive, if you want to change somebody's opinion, change their mind. Number one, you got to let God do it on a lot of issues. You want them to come to Jesus, not come to have your same social, uh, you know, view of the world, you want them to know that Jesus loves them and died for their sins. That's number one. And then what we're told in the scripture is that when a person comes to faith in Christ, they get the Holy Spirit and who immediately begins to work on them on several different things. Um, and thank you for your call, Aida. I saw that you dropped on there. Uh, so I want to encourage you, don't stop doing what you're doing. It's great that you're you're still in that relationship. I think one of the the scary things about our time, maybe scary is the wrong word, but a, a troubling part of our time is that we are dividing and dividing and dividing in such a way that we begin to not even know people who we don't agree with. And do you find this? Do you have do you have relationships in family or friends that are that are close with people who disagree on some of these issues? I think there's some things where it gets really difficult uh today. And I understand that. It's difficult for me. I'm not saying that it's not. But I think that Jesus would maintain the relationship, but he would also maintain what is true and say it in a kind way. I think that's why there is so much in the Scripture about how we treat each other in our words with gracious language, where you can speak the truth in love and really do it in love and be respected. You can... Speak the truth in such a way that, as Philippians would say, let your graciousness be known to everyone the Lord is near, where people know that you're a gracious person, that even if you disagree, you're still going to love them. This is something that we do. Now, there are, there are places where you, you draw some lines. In the church, for example, I think that, you know, you have, you have qualifications for leaders for all kinds of different things. Uh, the mistakes that churches make is sometimes we'll say, oh, you know, you, you have this kind of sin in your life. You can't be in leadership. But then somebody else who has, you know, what they are, they're a gossiper or a slanderer. We'll put them in leadership um, and not realizing that the scriptures say this, that those people destroy relationships. The, the scriptures teach that, you know, the person who is a, a gossip separates close friends, that people who use their words to tear other people down, that eventually they lose their friendships. I think that's a lot of what's happening is that, you know, our our news networks tend to be a lot of gossip. There's a whole lot of things that are said that are sometimes true. Sometimes they're just not um, in our our politics. And I think it's really hard to build relationships when we're not truthful or gracious. It's a lot easier to maintain relationships when we are kind um, and really speaking what we, we think. Does that make sense?
I want to encourage you just as you think about this, because I think it's a, it's a big deal for a lot of us today. Um, it's hard to understand why some people are making some decisions and there's huge issues. There's huge issues on the ballot. There's huge issues that are, are in our country today. You know, the, the abortion issue in our state is a big one. The, the transgender stuff, especially when it comes to the kids and the surgeries and the, the medications and stuff, you have to speak out about those things. You have to point out that these things are true. Um, I think we live in a time where we're in denial about some of the things that are going on, and you might just have to point people to what's true without giving it commentary. See where they stand uh, when they read what the statistics are uh, about doing surgeries for for minors to change genders and things like that. It's a huge deal, but at the same time, you got to love people wherever they are on that. That's just a challenge. It's a challenge for for us, and as believers, the ultimate goal is not to get so tied into these issues that they become the gospel, that the gospel remains the gospel, that people, that all of this trouble that's going on is because we're in a sinful world that is barreling towards uh, the return of Christ and judgment. That's what we believe. And the judgment isn't going to be, how did you vote? It's going to be, what's on your heart? Do you know Jesus? Uh, did you receive the grace that is provided for you, forgiveness of sins, not because you've earned it or believed the right thing or did the right thing, but because you said, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And that savior's name is Jesus. He died for my sins. He paid the penalty for my sins. The spiritual angst I carry around, whatever guilt I've got for things, it was taken care of on the cross. And he rose again from the dead proving that he is who he said he was and that I get eternal life if I believe in him. And I'm in the, then if you believe that truly, you'll submit your life to him. And then some of these other things begin to change. You know, they, they begin to, the Holy Spirit will begin to work on you. And as believers, we need to be around to encourage each other through those and work through the nuances that people might have around us and be gracious, but truthful in the scriptures getting to know the Lord better. This is this is the church. Uh, it's not Sunday for an hour. I mean, that's part of it, but it's it's not Sunday for an hour and you sing the songs and you get the sermon and you go home. It's our relationships with each other. It's, it is building each other up within the church so that we're better prepared to minister in a culture that's lost. And I think that's how you got to look at our, our culture today and all this is we're very lost and we are believing things that seemed impossible that still are impossible, but we're trying to force those things and it's going to cause great harm. And we need to be there with grace and truth when uh, everything blows up. All right. We got to be done for this hour. 888-528-2557 is the number. This is Southern California Live. When we come back, we'll be talking about, uh, among other things, NASA sending the DART rocket to crash into an asteroid. It's going to happen live in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. This is the Monday edition of Southern California Live. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.